Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Authors Unite Show. Today, we have Kev Sheepers. So welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for coming in. So let's just get started right away. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, I've been called many things, uh, but I'm in essentially, I'm just a specialist for self-development overall. And so I've uh, traveled the world quite a bit to find the, the most practical tools to achieve that in order for you to be the best version of you. Okay, got it. And can you tell us um, what made you go into this field? What made you be so interested in, in personal development? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the journey started really early. Uh, I had the privilege of being introduced to martial arts very early on. And so automatically, if you're getting introduced to people like Bruce Lee from the age of five and six, uh, the, the concept of what it means to be a human being kind of expands very rapidly. Uh, but if I, if I would have to say a distinct moment that put me into wanting to be the best version of me was when uh, I was kind of at the low point of my life in my late teens. Uh, couldn't really figure out what to do. I uh, thought I lost my identity through injuries and uh, a lot of friendships that ended abruptly. So I, I had a stretch of, of really a low point mentally, physically, just everything kind of started to crumble underneath me. And uh, at that low point, I had to decide to uh, make a change and become the person that would actually, you know, people would want to be around and uh, for me to be happy and be happy on daily life basis as well. And so I started, you know, I started reading books and exercising and really going deep in all these different fields of, of human endeavor. And uh, I really wanted to strive to the absolute highest quality of that and and so i guess that was a, the starting point of why i wanted to get into it okay got it and we're gonna dive deep here on basically what you do so you can start us off by telling us uh the animus part of your your belief system sure um so you mentioned animus which is uh one of my three concepts and and you know basically these concepts are more of a uh, idea concept basis for you to understand what field that I'm talking about. Um, but they all kind of interact as, you know, everything in life is connected in one way or another. You know, if, if uh, there's something going on mentally, you're not as strong physically and the other way around. Uh, so, but animus is the, the mental mastery, the mental capacity. And so there's a lots of different things in there, like uh, men mental mastery of meditation, which is in my thought school, the uh, the breaking down of your sensory experience. And then there's a bunch of other techniques, but I've really tried to travel. And uh, when I got exposed to meditation, what I found was that uh, whenever that I came to it, there was always a lot of dogma or there was a lot of secrets that are being withheld. So you had to stay with a teacher for very long and uh, also they weren't really that um, adjusted to our daily life uh, because 
we're not we're not able to be monks and just sit on our ass all time and then just meditate and so i i thought well i i need to really find the things that i can break down to practical steps so it works in daily life uh where you're working and you have friends and you have interactions and you get into fights and all these different things right and uh so I found a bunch of teachers that really gave me the ideas to break it down in the way that I do it now in meditation and um, and understanding the neuroscience behind the triggers of meditation really made the, the biggest difference for me when I started to dive deeper and deeper into this. And there's there's a lot, right? You can uh, you can enhance your sense of touch, uh, your your sense of smell, your taste, right? You can really work with this, the sensations of smell and, and thought and, and the feelings that you have and locating the feelings. And, and this can help you process a lot of things, right? So yeah, that's, that's one really important aspect where you're starting to get familiar with your senses. And of course, you know, better touch and, and better smell and taste and stuff. That sounds great. But I think the, the biggest one is, is being able to process your emotions and understand what thoughts uh, then in, introduces what uh, emotion and what uh, visual experience you'll get, what memory that'll be triggered and so on and so forth. So by using these techniques, you really get uh, familiar with uh, yourself and what causes certain reactions in you. And so when you have a conversation with someone and you start to get either sad or a little bit anxious, you're able to perceive it, what caused that more in real time, and then uh, go and, and take the action that is actually beneficial for you or, you know, that works better in your favor or not have a reaction that will uh, cause a problem in your relationship. Another part of animus uh, is, is journaling. And that kind of ties into what I've just touched on with the interpersonal relationships that we're having, right? There's, there's so many things that happen at work or with friends, with family, with loved ones, um, or just, you know, thoughts and feelings that come up that we don't know what to do with. And so having a journaling practice that really informs where we want to go in life, uh, what has happened to us in the past, where we're at right now, and how that all kind of plays together and also have a tool for processing from day-to-day -day basis is, is something that has given me so much and everyone that I've worked with or have um, given the chance to work with this tool have really been able to transform the lives for the better in, in so many different ways. Okay, great answer. And um, yeah, I wanted to ask you, I'm guessing you teach mindfulness meditation, right? That's your specialty because you want people to be more aware of themselves and what's going on and to recognize patterns in themselves and in their life. So they're able to think about it and make changes. Is that correct? Yeah. So mindfulness meditation is probably the closest as a terminology that would mm -hmm. go to the direction what I'm teaching, but I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the term because right now everything has just become mindful, right? But are we really that more mindful? Yes or no, right? That's the question that I want to ask yourself. Are you practicing these things and you're really able to see a difference in your daily life? Or is it just when you're sitting down to be mindful? Mm. Okay. Right. So it, it really needs to trickle over into how we are and behaving in day-to-day in -day basis, I think. Okay. So basically meditation, mindfulness meditation is not something that you do, but being mindful as, as a whole is something that you want people to be 24-7. It's not just... I'm going to sit down for five minutes and think about my mindfulness. I'm actually going to live this. It is part of me. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, and I really want to stress uh, that I want you to close the gap between sitting down and being mindful because there is a time and, and place to sit down and also to release stress and being mindful and being in the moment and kind of let go of everything that is happening, right? That's kind of the initial step. But uh, after that, I, I would really love for people to uh, understand that the, this mindfulness, even if it's a small thing, uh, if you can bring it to your daily life, that's where it matters much more. That's where we need it, right? If if I'm able to be mindful when I'm talking to you, then that's that would just change the way that we would interact with each other, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that statement, <laughs> especially now in such a bad political climate here in the United States. Um, and just with like social media in general, just like today's society is very like in your face and no time to think, just be be sensational and be mad at, at people and things. I think mindfulness, not not the meditation, but as a practice is, will greatly benefit society actually. So yeah, and, and you teach that, which is amazing. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about ultra learning techniques? It sounds very intriguing. <laughs> sure. Um, so we, we have kind of things that we wanna be able to do in life, right? Uh, whether it's uh, being able to speak another language or uh, needing to get that specific knowledge in your field or always wanting to learn the guitar, um, being able to do stuff physically, whatever it is, right? Uh, or, you know, you're, you're going to school, maybe you're learning something, you went back to college or you went back to uni to study something, I don't know, right? But there's always something that, that we need to learn in life one way or another. But what we don't really talk about is how do you acquire that knowledge efficiently? Because we only have so much time on this planet. Mm -hmm. And so I think that uh, looking at the way that you learn things and the triggers behind learning of every individual and the connections that need to happen in the brain are crucial. And so uh, taking the time to look at the topic that you want to learn and asking yourself a bunch of questions about what I'm going to use this for, uh, what is the skill that I'm trying to learn, uh, what are the most common things, then let's let's take an example. That's always the easiest if you take an example in this case, right? So uh, language is something that most people want to learn, especially in the States. You know, uh, a lot of people uh, speak English or maybe Spanish, and then that's the extent to it. Or if you want to learn something that's maybe a little more exotic, that is very difficult. So if you want to learn another language, you really have to think about, well, do I want to live in the country or do I just want to speak it when I travel? Because those are very two different things. Those are two different paths that you're going to take. And so the learning structure of those two things need to are, are very different, right? And uh, so the first thing that I tell people to do is to draw a map. So what is the thing that you're trying to learn? Uh, What are you gonna use it for? That's the next question, right? How long are you gonna do this for? Because that's always something that matters. If you're gonna live there for the rest of your life, you're gonna take maybe a more sustainable approach or if you're just starting to learn for the trip that you're taking in four months, then you would probably condense it more, right? How much time do you have? Um, If you say, well, I'm trying to learn Spanish and I'm going to travel there and I wanna talk about the things that I like, right? So let's say you are into literature or you're into uh, a local sport that you've read about, right? 
then you would need to define the terminology and the phrases and the stuff that people will talk about and, and understand that you should be able to talk about them more or less the way that you would in your native language, right? And so the structure becomes, well, I need to look at the words that I need to practice. I need to practice them a lot. I'm not worried too much about uh, the way that I'm pronouncing it because, you know, I just want to be able to express what I want to express. I don't want to sound like a native because I'm not going to live there. Does that make sense? Yes. And then after that, you just uh, you, you need to learn different triggers, right? Um, testing as much as possible, trying to create intuitive knowledge and so on and so forth. There's like, ultra learning is a big field, right? And it would kind of cover the whole conversation if I would go deeper into it. I um, mean, I, I would love to hear it, but obviously you got a lot of other interesting things that I want to talk yeah. about here, but ultra learning, I mean, just think about it. If people became better at learning and not just learning any information, learning the right information, the correct information, the best information yeah. in the world, then will be like a completely different society like well, uh, I, yeah i kind of want to add uh a more like a, a spark of thought into people's minds uh, especially for your listeners is think about the transition that we're in right now it's a very special time that we live in and so the digital age has kind of been fast forwarded in the current situation that we have right so the job market is going to need to transform. And I think a lot of jobs that exist now might not be existing in the future. Mm -hmm. So the ability to pick up a new expertise and get good at it fast is going to be crucial because we'll need to adapt again and again um, in, in, in the future where we will need to shift our attention to what is needed as human beings in society, but also for yourself uh, to, to have something that you can sustain, right? Absolutely. Yeah, great. Uh, great view there. But um, yeah, so let's move on to corpus. So biohacking and environmental things like light, food, sleep. So tell us a little bit more about that. Actually, tell us a lot more about that because this is really interesting. <laughs> it's a really interesting, um, um, really interesting mindset. Yeah, so corpus, it sounds very fancy and very nerdy. But um, in essence, it's mastering it's it's changing your environment to the goals that you have in your life right if you want to have better sleep you need to optimize your environment in order for you to sleep better right and then you just need to understand the different triggers um if you want to be more muscular you need to understand the triggers that are going to uh, cause you to gain more muscular physique right uh if you want more functionality and so on uh if you want to have less clutter, you need to understand the triggers there, right? You, you also need to create physical or environmental space if you want to have mental space. So that's another fact, right? Um, but if, if you really think about it, it's sometimes these topics are made too difficult and too complicated. And there's a lot of interesting science behind this. But if you're thinking about the human species and who we are, if you, if you think back and say, well, what would it have been like if I would have had to live in nature? And of course, our society has evolved into being in a safe space and everything. But if you understand, well, what would have been the scenario in nature or if I would have to live outside, right? 
and also where would my ancestors have lived so kind of understanding your own makeup is also crucial to understanding who you are and those are the, the kind of things that i i like to go very deep into uh, on on a regular basis because you know the to master yourself you have to understand yourself as well yeah uh do you mind telling us like uh, at least use yourself as an example of like you, you said that your ancestry is important to determine what would be like the optimal environment so sure like the amount of sleep what you eat how you exercise can you tell us a little yeah. bit more about that yeah uh so dna and the, the differences that we're getting from them right that's um the only thing that really makes us different is well what are the challenges that our ancestors had and for me that's northern european i'm even though i kind of look either greek or something like that but it's it's 100 northern european uh, i've even tested this so it's not just something that i'm saying because i want to say that i'm from there um but the fact is that my ancestors had a really rough environment where there hasn't been a lot of sun right and so they would have to go out in the sun as much as they can right and so my mood gets affected very fast if i'm not getting exposed to the sunlight when i really would have needed to go outside so i need to make an effort to do that uh, the same goes for food uh, food have, will have been very scarce because there's it's very difficult to plan things here and a lot of the foods that made it over here uh, have not been around for very long in this area and you know not been around for long in in the history of human beings right not not in the history of society because if you put it into perspective in this way then it kind of seems uh super long but yeah. if you put it into perspective of, of of being a human then it's not that long yeah. um so my ancestors you know would have had to hunt a lot uh they would have had to find the tubers maybe some mushrooms um, so, and a lot of fish and, and stuff they could use for the sea, some herbs. Uh, but other than that, there, there was not a lot of cabbage would be another thing. So they would have to pickle a lot of stuff. Um, they would have to salt the fish. They would have to kind of preserve in different ways, right? And make sure that they um, live in accordance to nature and hunt at the right times and then fish at the right times and such. And so if I look from a nutritional perspective, if I kind of uh, limit, not, not cut out, because, you know, I also want to eat tasty food. I don't, don't just want to be perfect in the way that my ancestors should have been, right? It, it doesn't need to be this rigid thing where I become a robot and I just eat like my ancestors kind of thing. No, that's, that's not, I think that's kind of, there's a danger to that, right? There's like a lot, it happens a lot. It happens to me all the time. Like, no, I should have eaten like this, but no, it's, it's uh, yeah, you, you have to take it with a little bit of salt and just be like, well, I, I still want to eat these other things. I still want to be able to eat chocolate, right? I, and um, so, yeah, if, if I have some issues that I'm facing either mentally or physically or you know low energy then if i'm reducing the things that i know my ancestors would not have had and or things that come from a long way um that automatically translates into me having overall more well-being and so limiting certain things uh and then also you know understanding that i probably need to eat some more pickled stuff because uh, my flora and my my gut bacteria is really thriving off these different things right
and uh, understanding that, especially if you have that set of DNA, and, and, my, and right now I'm also living in Denmark, so that means um, I am going through the season changes as my ancestors would have, and it's a little bit different, right? But still, that's what I'm doing. So, you know, I, I, I kind of need to go with what's available right now in the food source, and I can still have some stuff that comes from far away, but... I need to kind of limit that and that's where I thrive the most. Wow, that, that is super, super interesting. It really is. Um, right. Yeah, what about, yeah, tell me about relationships, how those affect your your state of mind and just, just everything, your life. Oh, they're huge. Um, the interplay, right? We, we have this subconscious wanting to please our environment and fit in and we have this sense of tribe and belonging that really informs a lot of stuff. Um, so no matter it's 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 in this way let let me there's there's a lot of facets to this right so i'm just going to take one angle but have you ever tried to cut out something for a while like so let's say something like you a person? casually casually drink usually but okay. then you kind of stop yes. right yes uh or you know you're changing your diet because you want to try this new thing right yes what happens in your in, in your friendships and family and everything? What happens usually? Yes. Yeah, I mean, if if you go out and you drink a lot and you stop drinking, then your friends are going to pressure you into drinking because they don't want to feel left out. But you're trying to stop drinking, so it's collides. Yeah, it's it's maybe even more than that, right? Because they have gotten used to you being a certain way. And they're very comfortable with this, right? They like you. And of course, your friends and family want the best for you, the absolute best. But there's something within us that feels, well, we're kind of not belonging as much if you want to change right now, right? And so there's a certain resistance to it that you need to be aware of if you're making changes to your life, that your friends and family, they maybe have a little bit of pushback at some point. Um, so understanding that these things might happen and take them into account before, you know, having a strategy around that and uh, having a conversation before and not just changing it, right, mm -hmm. is, is really crucial for you to have success in the things that you try to do in your life. Otherwise, if you're met with a lot of resistance a lot, um, that's, that's just going to be difficult for you and, and end up causing a lot of stress. And so, you know, set yourself up for success in anything you do. Yeah, I, th I think what happens to a lot of people uh, is that they want to change. A lot of people do want to change. They want to become better. But they've been with their friends and family for so long and they don't want to let them down. So they don't want to change. So they want to change, but they can't because they're pre-pressures too much. They don't want to leave out their friends or family. It's happened to me quite a lot, especially recently. I'm guessing it's happened to you quite a lot, but... Yeah, people need to learn how to handle that. Um, what would you just tell people that that are scared of losing their friends or family because they want to become a completely different person? They want to rework themselves. Mm. What we tell them? Oh, it's a difficult one because if you want to change yourself completely, then you know you're bound to maybe lose a few, and that needs to be okay. And then you know you have to consider: Do I really want it that much or not? But um, <clears throat> if you're looking, excuse me, <clears throat> if you're looking to make positive changes, then before you start making the changes, right, involve the people around you. Um, be like, well, 
I'm going to make this change. Uh, I would really enjoy if you would support me because it's important to me. Um, I want to strive for the best. Uh, so if I can help you with anything, make sure to involve them, right? And you ask them, is there anything I can sort support you with? Um, and be prepared for these conversations that I mentioned just now, right? Because they're going to have resistance. And then if you've had a pre-agreement before you started with these people, with your friends, your family, right? Then you can um, direct them back to the conversation that you've had where you're like, well, you know, the behavior that you're showing right now is not really uh, what you told me you would. So did I misunderstand something or like what happened there? And so, you know, you can hold them accountable. And I think holding each other accountable is, is uh, really important in, in growth. And in, in, especially if you want relationship where growth is kind of the key mindset, right? Which I think uh, your listeners, they're, they're a lot about growth, right? And, and I can feel that you're a lot about growth. So oh, yeah. um, holding each other accountable to what we're saying and, and making sure that the, the words that we're using and, and the, the things that we're saying are not just left empty, but we're actually held accountable to that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we're definitely about growth here. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants to become better, but like I said, at least in my personal challenges, I run into a lot of people that don't want me to change or they think it's weird for me to change. And yeah, having those conversations is absolutely crucial. But yeah, can you tell me a little bit more about stress management since we're still in the corpus section? Sure. Yeah, I think uh, an, a really important thing in corpus right now is that a lot of people are making the transition to be at home a lot. And so having the right rituals and the right boundaries between work and free time is crucial, right? Because a lot of the stresses happen when you come home and you're home all day. And then uh, subconsciously or even consciously, there's a lot of expectation that is put onto each other because, you know, you're here. I see you. So I want to be with you. I want to have spend time with you. I have demands, right? And then the filter kind of goes away of you're working and I'm supposed to be doing something else right now. Um, so creating clear distinctions between that is is really really important for you to have healthy relationships in these times and i think you know uh, obviously a lot of companies are going to see that they can get away with not having office spaces so unfortunately i think it's going to be normal to be working from home increasingly and so we need to get really good at um, creating the right space uh, the right habits the right breaks, the right uh, setup. So making sure you have enough water, making sure there's not a lot of clutter, not a lot of distractions as much as possible. Uh, for me, for example, if I need to sit down and do a lot of stuff on a computer and I know people are home, uh, I will make it a thing to put on a business shirt, even though, you know, it's, it's, it's not really something that I would need to do in my line of work, but I'm going to put on a business shirt because every time they see me in the business shirt, they know not to approach me. Right. And then I change back into whatever clothes that I'm going to wear. So there's a lots of small adjustments and small little tricks and rituals that you can do to make the transitions between I'm working now. I'm not working now, even mentally. Right. Uh, you could be using your olfactory response, which is your sense of smell to, 
uh, bridge the transition from one thing to another. So, you know, you could have one smell for work, which could be a perfume or an essential oil, or yeah, I, I don't know, a diffuser, whatever you feel like, right? It's, it's up to you to decide, but the sense of smell really works well for transitioning from one thing to another. And so using that is, is big um, for you to make a clear cut, especially, you know, you don't want to bring your work home in general, but if you're at home and you have to work from home, you really have to make you know, that distinction in your brain for you not to get stressed and think about work or think about your private life when you're working, right? And so those kinds of things are very important. Also, yeah. you know, you might be sitting a lot more because you're not commuting. Um, so there's, there's just a multitude of things that you need to know to master your environment because we are faced with so many more challenge of our environment that we maybe weren't as aware of before because it was just in our daily habits, not as important. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with you. Uh, do you think it's a bad thing that people are working from home or are forced to work from, from home? I think your biggest objection is that like being home usually means time to relax. But now that you bring the work home, do you think they just messed up everything? Is there like a disbalance between your resting place and your workplace? Or do you really think it can work out and actually be beneficial to have your workplace and your resting place in the same place? Well, that depends, I think. Um, if, if we're able to make the distinctions clearly from the beginning and establish the right habits, then it might be a good thing because you also, you know, you're gaining a lot more time if you had a commute before, right? Uh, which you didn't get paid for. I'm, I'm guessing like most people don't get paid for commute, right? So that's a good thing for that section. And, and, but there's also a lot of downsides to it, uh, especially in the section of mental health, because you don't have any interactions with colleagues. Uh, you might not really see anyone. There's a lot of people that will just be shut in for days, right? Where mm -hmm. you, you don't really go outside except for maybe getting food or, or the delivery person that brings your food, depending if you cook yourself or not, uh, which, you know, I believe you should cook yourself, but um, sometimes that's just not possible. And if you get good delivery, fair enough. Um, but yeah, it can, it can really be both. So there's, there's upsides and downsides to it, but I think for mental health, it's a big challenge that we need to face. And I think there's new challenges to do. And so it's important to note that, uh, the new time that you have gained, you really need to put that into socializing, um, and, and making sure that, you know, you have somewhere to blow off steam in a way or another. Mm -hmm. Going back to relationships. What do you think is the optimal amount of going out, meeting new people, staying in track with your current relationships, the type of people that you should be hanging out with? Um, I know it's a pretty deep question, but just give me a brief understanding of what you have in mind. Uh -huh. uh, it brings me back to drawing a map, right? What, what do you want in life? Not everyone needs to go out and meet new people all the time because, you know, maybe that's not in, in alignment with where you want to be in life. Uh, if you want to be a good communicator, it's definitely something you should do daily in a way or, or another, right? Uh, if when I try to be a better communicator, which, you know, I'm still trying, but um, I would go, I would make it a thing to go into coffee shops and talk to at least three people and make it a thing not to talk about myself. Like I, that was my measurement of success. 
if I could get away into going into a coffee shop and not to talk about myself for three conversations and have the other people, uh, other person feel really great walking away, that was my success, right? That's when I started to become a good listener. I could take it up. I would really need to memorize the things. So if I saw them again, I would have to spark the conversation again. Um, so those were the things that I were doing was doing when I, I I wanted to be a better communicator. But if you if that's not a goal of yours, then I don't think you should be doing that. Um, if you just want to make sure that you're a social person within the, the realms of your field or your hobbies or whatever, then you know just do that. But it's important to talk and it's important to hang out with other people because uh, even if you think that you're not a social person. Uh, human beings are social and we thrive from interactions. The, the scale of how much you want to or need to interact with other people is going to fluctuate depending on what your, your ambitions are in life, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Great answer. All right, we can move on to the last point. So modus, which is movement yeah. and physical training. Please tell us all about physical exercise, how that affects your mind, how that affects your, your concentration, just everything. Yeah, um, it, it, this is the one that ties in with the both things a lot, right? Because the way that you move is often the way um, that it shows the, the attention to yourself that you have, right? Because the self-awareness starts with, we, we interact through our bodies with life, right? That's, that's our, um, our bridge between your mind and the reality that you perceive, right? It's the, the thing that collects the information for you to make sense. And so is it important? Definitely, definitely. The neurological connection that you need to have with your joints and the awareness uh, is, is crucial. And for mental health, uh, I think moving rather than exercising, because I don't like the word exercise at all, um, I think we need more movement nutrition overall rather than exercising more. I think we need to get away from the idea of needing to exercise unless you have a specific sport that you like to be better at, right? But if you're thinking about health and mental health, then exercise is probably not the solution, especially things that are high intensity like CrossFit where you're going like four or five times a week and, and exercising until you're about to vomit and that is a success is... I don't think it's sustainable. It's a good thing to do every now and then. Um, so there's a time and place for it, but you know, for the average Joe or you know, for someone that doesn't want to compete, is it's just not something that's sustainable overall. So going away from the idea of needing to uh, complete this vigorous exercising routine uh, and look very muscular is uh, maybe not something that we need to aspire all of us. Okay. Uh -huh. And can you tell us like movement? So define movement. If it's not lifting weights, are you talking about like running, yoga, stretching? What is it? Uh, it's even more simple than that. Mm. It's, you know, those are still activities. Those are things you do and, and go and, and, um, and exercise, right? It's still something that you need to do. But what I'm talking about is more subtle. It's it's creating space in your life to move your body more. So that means stretching more, spending time in a squad, hanging off of stuff. Mm. Yeah, hanging off of stuff is very important because you know 
this movement apparatus that we have is thrives from traction, especially the upper body, right? A lot of people have back pain. That's often due to either not spending a lot of time in full hip compression or extension because you're seated a lot or, you know, the spine is getting com um, compressed. Uh, thank you. Uh, all day. And so you want to kind of get re released by creating traction, right? Mm -hmm. But more than that, it's, you know, creating more play, playfulness with your own body, not, it doesn't need to be this very linear way of moving. It doesn't always need to be putting yourself in these perfect positions, but more what feels good. Uh, how can I implement more play? Uh, I, you know, I, I invent games all the time. I, if there's like a little sidewalk ledge or something that I can step on and play on, I'll do it. If there's like a, a railing, I'll jump on it. If there's a tree, I'll climb. And it doesn't need to be that extreme, right? It can be like, well, I'm going to try to hover off my chair without actually sitting on it and pretend that I'm sitting on it, right? It, bringing back playfulness and silliness into your day is going to make it magic. It's going to um, keep your system going. You'll be more focused. Uh, people will remember you all the time because I'll always be the weirdo in the room, period. People will think I'm weird as no matter where I go, right? Because I'm, I'm the monkey boy that does the weird stuff, right? But it's memorable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm having fun. They're laughing at me. I'm laughing at me. And so we're all having fun. And you don't have to be the monkey in the room, but you know, uh, if, if you have a piece of paper that needs to go into the trash can, I'm just encouraging you to play, right? If you can get like a little bit of a glimpse of youthfulness in your daily life, uh, life won't feel as heavy and your body will feel better and your mind will be more refreshed. Wow, that's powerful. Okay. Yeah, and what do you think about dancing or let's say or jogging because you know talking back to the ancestry part i know jogging is an exercise and running is an exercise but what do you think is doing that as a physical routine don't you think it's good to to go out there and walk or run like your ancestors yeah, yeah for sure there's i mean i'm not trying to downplay anything right yoga is great running's great uh crossfit's great sometimes all of this stuff like if you're doing things keep doing it please um and it, it was just the, the emphasis on just give your body more variety, right? Because that's what it really needs. Uh, walking and running is great, right? You can couple up with meditation. You can go out in nature and nature has a lot of stuff that you're maybe not realizing. Um, we're getting a lot of positive charge from our devices and we have rubber soles, right? So if you can go and maybe interact with nature, touch trees and stuff, it sounds very hippie, but there's a lot of science behind discharging, right? Um, you'll get better sleep. The smells that you have, if you're going into a park or a, um, a forest or, you know, going to the ocean, that's uh, the nature interacting with each other, right? So the, the smell of trees is actually the language of the trees, uh, which interacts with your nervous system. It interacts with your immune system. So it upregulates your immune system or downregulates it, depending on what you need. Um, the, the color green, for example, is very soothing for a nervous system as well. So if you have a lot of stress, the color green can work really well. Coupling it with walking, uh, it's great as well. I have to say, I don't like running shoes. 
Um, I'm a big proponent of kind of running in with minimal souls, mm. uh, you know, in due time, you, if you're, if you've spent your whole life wearing shoes that has either a heel or like a rubber sole, that's really thick, uh, then don't just change to barefoot shoes. But I think it's, it's really important for us because, you know, imagine wearing a glove your whole life. And then trying to to pick up things with accuracy, it's not going to work, because if you ever have worn a, a ski glove, right, it it kind of limits to your sensory experience of what's happening, right. So you can't really inform how your hand should behave, and so our feet are the same way. They need to uh, kind of articulate in a specific way and understand where the ground is, and you know pebbles and stuff. If you feel that underneath your sole that stimulates your brain to organize your body. And also, you know, it stimulates your brain just for growth in general. Uh, so I, I think that's, it's a huge thing to come back to not needing to wear high-tech shoes because, you know, they're really not, they're high-tech shoes, yes, because they make your body work better, but it also make your body work less. Yeah. And not very efficient. So having really uh, low-tech shoes will really, make a, a big difference for your walking and running for everything yeah or no shoes at all <laughs> no shoes at all yeah oh yeah there's there's a little bit of a caution to that one right because you need to ease into that you can't just drop your shoes and then especially if you if you live in an urban area there might be glass there might be stuff yeah. right? but there's like a little bit of a disclaimer yeah be mindful of your surroundings right yeah I mean, over here in Miami, like we live in Miami, so we can go to the beach and, and run barefoot, which is a blessing. So we can definitely do that. But if you live in the middle of a city and there's yeah. no, it's a straight pavement, then yeah, don't. I've spent a lot of time in Miami. I know Miami pretty well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you got to come down here sometime. We can link up. <laughs> sure. But yeah. Yeah, so going back to to relationships and play, uh, maybe I'm just asking this for myself, but maybe a lot of people think this, this way too, but being made fun of or just standing out like that, going out and climbing on trees or climbing to the rooftop and, uh, of things uh, and people are judging you. Like, what do you think about like having that thought in your mind that people are judging me? Should I be scared? Should I be worried? Should I be more mindful about the judgment or should I just not care at all? depends right if it's if it's a group that you're trying to connect with and stay with then maybe be more mindful the way that you're introducing it right but i'm guessing the the people that you want in your life won't um won't judge you in that way right and if they have that pattern maybe that it's time to kind of break loose of it right um but in general people people will judge you and and so reminding yourself that you're not responsible for other people's experience is, is big, right? Uh, if you're having fun, you're winning. Like if you're, if you're content being the weirdo, if, if you're the one expressing yourself to the fullest and they're not, I think you're winning and you shouldn't worry too much. Right. Yeah. Powerful words, man. And you know, it's, it's also getting used to being a little, uncomfortable is it goes a long way it, it translates to everything right if you want to exercise you got to get uncomfortable if you want to get good at speaking you get uncomfortable uh if you want to stimulate your nervous system you got to get uncomfortable so 
if you want to get anywhere, get uncomfortable. If it's in the direction that's that's headed towards where you want to go, right? Get uncomfortable. It's okay. It's going to get better. Okay. Yeah. Great words, man. I really like that. And I guess we came to the conclusion of the animus corpus and motor section. I want to ask you, uh, what is your your passion in, in helping other people? Why do you do the things that you do? Like, mm. what are you trying to make the world a better place? Like, what, what drives you pretty much? Well, I think it's a little bit of a mix. There's, there's a selfish part, which there's always, right? Um, I understand myself better through helping others mm -hmm. because I'm constantly having realizations of my own shortcomings, of my own potential, of uh, my own limiting beliefs. Like there's a mirror that's happening for me, right? And in order for other people to grow and for me to help other people growing, I need to grow myself as well. And so it, 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 um, there's a certain of accountability that is expected of me, right? And uh, also, um, I didn't really like, and I, you know, there's a lot of stuff to do still, but I didn't really like the way that the world was. And so trying to make an impact in the way that other people are able to realize themselves and for us to communicate better with each other and, and you know, um, being able to resolve conflicts before they occur is, is a big one for me. So, you know, that's, that's what thrives that, that what's, that's, what's motivating me because that's what I want. Okay. Awesome. And yeah, where can people find you Kev? Well, they can find me on Facebook, Instagram, on my webpage, and it's all the same. It's Kevsheepers. Uh, Kevsheepers.com is a webpage. And Instagram is Kevsheepers. Okay. And if you want to say any, any closing remarks or are you good? Um, sure. If you're listening to this and you feel like you're not really living up to your potential, the only thing you need to do is the next action that you take needs to go towards what you think your potential is and then repeat that step after step. So building the right habits is all you need to do. Um, there is a lot that can be done in 10 years, but maybe you might not find it as immediate. So just you know, keep doing it and keep showing up. And if you keep asking yourself the question, what is the next action that's driving me towards who I wanna be and how I wanna feel, then it's going to come. Absolutely. Powerful words, Kev. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. For sure. Thank you so much. Have a good time. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. The Authors Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com. Your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact.